Welcome back to What the Fuck is Going On. We have a great show for you today. Continued coverage of the fallout from the East Palestine ecological disaster. Joe Biden made a surprise trip to Ukraine and an anti-war protest in Washington, D.C. All that and more on today's show. Let's get into it. Last week, because I was in Florida, and uh, the last time we took a week off, we also took uh, an additional six months after that <laughs> off, and uh, came back to season two. Today is going to be the start of what we call season three, and I figured this is episode 15. We would just take a moment to introduce sort of what we're about, our goals for the show, why we're doing it, um, and essentially, I've always wanted to be a reporter. I've never really felt like I had... Uh, a home politically or, or even any news outlet that I could say, oh, I agree with everything they say. I don't think anybody should agree with everything someone says, but I don't really even feel like there's anything out there close to, you know, what I believe in. So uh, I have sort of four core principles that I want to bring to this podcast to bring people value because I want to do an hour of news that's a genuine public service. And the first one is transparency. And I think we've done a good job of that so far. I think to the degree that we do have biases, we're pretty open and honest about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I really like the idea of providing signal over noise. There is a lot of information in the world, and I spend a good bit of time trying to decipher it. And what I want to do is give people information that is a gener- genuine signal boost and not just background noise. Um, and I want to represent underrepresented perspectives, things that... You know, I'm, I'm not going to avoid covering something because it gets covered, but I am going to look for things that aren't necessarily, I feel, getting the coverage they deserve. Um, and then last but not least, just news judgment. Like, we're not really covering, we did cover sort of the China bubble thing because everyone was talking about it, but we're not spending hours on something that, you know, cable news covers just because it gets clicks. We're not, we don't cover hurricanes or, you know, you don't, wanna, you don't want to. You don't want to cover the cat that's stuck in the tree. Exactly. <laughs> Not unless that you know there's federal funding to get the cat out and it's being wasted. <laughs> you know, like unless it's important. Uh, right. Exactly. Um. And so that's you know that's my role here. Is I I went to school for journalism. I'm really passionate about it. I I'm a news junkie. I'm I take in more information than anyone I know. So I kind of want to start to give that back to people a little bit. And Kevin is here sort of as the representative of the listener. Because yes. I have so much shit in my head. Sometimes I lose sight of like, oh, no one knows what the fuck you're talking about, Rob. Well, And Kevin's here to be like, 
poke holes and you, you yeah so let, let me pick up where you left off like rob said he's a you know journalism major this is his realm this is this is what rob does if you've ever seen him on twitter you know this is this is rob's uh you know home base this is not my realm i am not a political guy i'm not a uh, journalism I, I don't really know policy stuff like that but i do always kind of feel obligated as just a human being to know what's going on in the world and just kind of have at least the sense of you know what's going on over there and over here um so and i, I am always pretty informed on like the current uh like the bigger current events that are going on um so i'm here more like I'm also informing myself just by being here. And I learned just through doing research for the stories and just through having conversations with Rob. Um, I am also here just to, you know, for color commentary, ask questions that more of a common person would ask. And hopefully that a lot of people are already thinking. And, you know, hopefully every once in a while, give a, you know, a different perspective on something that maybe you wouldn't have been thinking about. Um, I'm going to say a lot of stupid shit. It's going to come down to it. But uh, like Rob said, you know, we're pretty open with our biases. And if I'm ever wrong about something and I miss it, just let me know. I'll correct it. And if I, like, I already have something to correct from the last one because uh, what I was saying, like, the vinyl chloride turned into, like, hexa, yes. whatever I said, it just turns into uh, hydrogen chloride. Okay. So, but that was, that was the only thing. I, but, did, I did have somebody uh, message me and say, oh, Kev said it. Uh, what was it? Freezes at eight degrees, or no? Burns? Boils at eight degrees. And this person was like, "That there's no way that's true." He's clearly pulling it out of his ass. And then I looked mm-hmm. into it. What? It is true. Yeah, I know. No, I thought that was true. Nice. Yeah, thank you. There's one for Kev. There's one for me. See, sometimes I'll be right. Sometimes I'll be wrong. But um, you know, I'm here to uh, learn myself. Uh, if I ever, you know, do like a baseball podcast or something, I'll have somewhat of an idea of how to do it just from doing this now. There you go. But um, yeah, you know, let's uh, let's rock and roll. Right. So we're gonna get into the the run up, the few stories that we cover in, in brief before we dive into the the big ones we have today. Um, so here we go. Uh, Susan Wojcinski, the CEO of YouTube, is stepping down to spend more time with her family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then James O'Keefe is out at Project Veritas. In what kind of looks like a corporate takeover, he stepped down. Uh, he made a big video. He was radio silence for a long time, and and he came out. and the The company has he's out as CEO. He's the founder of. For those who aren't aware of what Project Veritas is, is there a, uh, I don't even know what to call them, but they do like secret recordings of like government they're like officials. undercover media. Yeah, 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 uh, and they're super controversial. Like, bring up a lot of interesting um, subjects on. Questions surrounding uh, on the record, off the record, two-party consent, which is, you know, some states have a law where you can't record unless the other person knows about it. Mm -hmm. Many states do not have that law. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just interesting to me that after they have, they have this big bombshell from Pfizer, that guy that we covered, that guy who literally lost his fucking mind. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It seems like, you know, somebody, the powers that be, sent in people to sort of get this organization under control. James Veritas has said he's going to continue his work probably under, not James Veritas, James O'Keefe, <laughs> probably under a new name. Uh, so that's interesting. Is that going to be his new name? James Veritas. <laughs> and, and people have, you know, a lot of right-wing people uh, like Jack Pasebic has, they have like a running counter of each 
Twitter accounts, followers, mm-hmm. and Project Veritas is just going down, and James O'Keefe is going up. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are, are, you know, his followers are loyal to him and not the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what directions each of them take. Um, and then in uh, Romania, Andrew Court, Romanian Jesus Christ, I'm gonna, we're gonna cut that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Romanian court has ruled Andrew Tate is to be detained for another thirty days. And then Putin has suspended the START nuclear arms treaty with the U.S. Mm-hmm. So let me take you through the last two days mm-hmm. of Biden and Putin. So yesterday, I guess around 1 a.m. our time, so middle of the night. Well, I guess depending on where you are. But yeah, East Coast, 1 a.m., 8 a.m. Uh, local time in Kiev. Uh, Biden met with uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Vladimir. Uh Nobody knew anything about it. Uh, did it in the middle of the night and the day before Putin was supposed to give the State of the Nation speech. So I'm sure there was some strategic uh, pull there. It's also been uh, pretty much a year since this the invasion. Right. So. It is about like a year, yeah. like the anniversary. Yep. Um, so Biden announced about a half mil- a billion dollars more of military aid for Ukraine when he was uh, with Vladimir. They walked the streets, stuff like that. Um, so then he went to Poland, Warsaw, uh, today, today, right. And he gave a speech just saying how hard and bitter days are ahead for Russia and the U S will not waver in their support for Ukraine. Um, he didn't mention anything about, uh, start, but I, I'm, I'm kind of hazy on the timeline. It was a little hard to figure that out, but, uh, I don't think Putin, right. I don't think Putin had done that at that point yet. Um, so, like you said, in Putin's State of the Nation speech, uh, while Biden was in Poland, he decided he was going to suspend the START treating, the treaty. It's, and officially called the, the conflict a war for the first time. Right. He finally acknowledged it being a war in Ukraine, whereas right. before he was calling it a conflict, this and that. And he referred to it as a war a lot of times, which, like I said, I don't think he was doing that by accident. Right. Um, he blames the war on Biden and the West for basically pushing him into the war because NATO keeps creeping more east and stuff like that. And he said that he was going to do this. Um, so what the START Treaty is, is it caps the number of strategic uh, nuclear warheads that the United States and Russia can deploy. Um, and I also think a part of that was they could check on each other's uh, nuclear warheads, like vice versa, as they needed to. They stopped doing that. Uh, during COVID just because of, you know, health restrictions and stuff like that. So they're supposed to restart it. He's not going to restart that. Uh, Russia has the most nuclear warheads in the world. They have 6,000, and the U.S. and Russia together make up about 90% of the world's nuclear arms. Mm. Um, so there's not really a, you know, quick end in sight for this. China says they're thinking about sending lethal aid to Moscow, um, and yeah, I mean, this kind of goes into something we'll talk about more later, but House Republicans introduced the Ukraine fatigue resolution just because they think we're spending too much money and, uh, you know, sending too much aid over there to Ukraine. So right. that was the last two days. Yeah, and I think I think that's going to signal a, a new chapter in the war. We're a year in now, and Ukraine has been putting up a really good fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the war experts that, that are – being genuine and not being paid by you know corporations to deliver a message say this is russia's mo this is what they do they 
throw a lot of bodies at a war. Mm-hmm. It typically never goes great the first six months to a year. They're not efficient fighters, right? But they're ruthless. Mm-hmm. They have the bodies, yeah. and ultimately, you know, a lot. Of, like I, I saw Estonia's prime minister yesterday say, uh, "Whoever's considering sending aid, do it now." Because if they had sent aids in January, this war would be over. By all like measurable statistics, is just no. Uh, there's no truth to that. That there would be anything that anyone could have done to avoid this war once it was started. Yeah, I agree with that. I was going to say, like, even if even if everybody did send aid right away, how much would that aid... Uh, you couldn't quantify how much they would have needed at uh, that time. Aid doesn't necessarily just mean money. Aid right, mean, like military stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, everything. Uh, humanitarian. That's that, I support all the humanita- humanitarian aid that's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, we won't fucking send it to Syria, but... It, Wherever it can go, more power to you. But um, I do think now this this is this is Putin saying, "I'm I'm turning over a new leaf here. This is officially a war now." Right to us. I was gonna say, other than like when they actually did the invasion, this is the first time that I can really think of that I would consider this like actual declaration of war. Right. Exactly. Thing, you know. Yeah. And and even when he invaded, he didn't declare. He was like, "Hey, we're." We have Russian-speaking people in Ukraine that we're trying to save from Nazis. That's what he said. Yeah. So, like, you know, it was under the auspices of, like, a military operation. It was a war. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't really have much on that. I just wanted to, you know, cover the fact that Biden's there. I thought it was interesting that, you know, he was just walking, you know, the streets of a embattled war-torn city at 8 a.m., like, fine. And apparently, like, uh, air sirens. Yeah, air off. sirens were going off and everything. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was all just, you know, strategic to kind of undermine putin's uh speech the next day um, yeah probably you know it definitely took a lot of publicity away from it i'm sure just on the world scale mm, um big time but overall like i don't know the facts of everything is the facts of everything i don't think it, it changed what putin was gonna say or anything like that you know right um and uh just something interesting on the start treaty uh russia ha- has said putin said that russia would only resume discussion once French and British nuclear weapons were also taken into account, a condition analysts say is a non-starter as it's opposed by Washington and would require a complete rewriting of the treaty. So uh, in truth, like Russia was probably never going to renew START mm-hmm. uh, and they're just using yeah, Ukraine just a as pawn in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at, and at this point, you know, each country has over 5,000 uh, warheads. Russia's is closer to six, but... Uh, both sides could immediately go from 1550 deployed strategic warheads to 4,000. That could ha- happen overnight. And that's from William Alberki, the director of strategy technology and arm controls at the International Institute for Strategic Studies. So what's the point of having so many if like you don't need that many to basically just like blow up the entire world? I think they're all just deterrents. It's just it's just like, oh, like have I'm more bigger than, than you are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just like a... I don't know. Like once you got to a certain number, I feel I feel like it didn't matter. But I don't know. I'm not a. I don't run the war. Yeah. Uh. So that's all I have on that. Um. Anything else? No, that's all. I mean, I think it's a good segue into the. I mean, if you want to go, because I was talking about the Ukraine fatigue resolution. Yeah. Do you want to do East Palestine last? Then we'll go to the the rally. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to cover this um, rage against the war machine protests. That happened on Saturday, February 19th at the Lincoln Memorial. 
um, co-organized by the Libertarian Party and the People's Party, which is a somewhat new uh, initiative trying to become a legitimate third party that unites people with values from the left and right and mm -hmm. people that are disillusioned with the current two-party system we have. Um, notable speakers included Ron Paul, Tulsi Gabbard, Jimmy Dore, Jill Stein, Chris Hedges, uh, former Senator Dennis Kucinich, uh, and Pink Floyd's Roger Waters. Um, and it really, it wasn't really a, a big uh, event at all in terms of a, an attendance. It didn't uh, look like it. I, I think reports from news outlets on the ground said there couldn't have been more than 1,500 people there, hmm. um, which is not uh, great for an anti-war rally. You'd like to get more than that. Um, but I, I wanted to cover the coverage of it, really, the, the media... Uh, we're gonna play a clip from a clip from Rachel Maddow here, where she calls it trip walk. Yeah, <laughs> Rachel Maddow called it truly random and said it was pro Putin. Um, and then we're gonna play this video from Roger Waters, one of the event speakers, telling the UN the invasion of Ukraine was illegal, condemning it in the strongest possible terms. The invasion of Ukraine by the Russian Federation was illegal. I condemn it in the strongest possible terms. Also, the Russian invasion of Ukraine was not unprovoked. So I also condemn the provocateurs in the strongest possible terms. And then here is a statement from the Libertarian Party, the event's co-sponsor. They said, let us be clear. We oppose all wars. We oppose all states who initiate them. We are not pro-Putin. We are not pro-Russia. We oppose Russia's invasion and any initiation of force. The threat of nuclear devastation is higher than it's been for decades, and the war in Ukraine has led to horrifying death, harm, and destruction for thousands of innocents. War is simply mass murder writ large, and the party's opposition to these crimes has never been in question. Uh, somehow people have found a way to turn that into you love Putin. Anyone who goes there is pro-Putin, and... Some people on Twitter and on cable news posting pictures of people who were waving Russian flags. Again, you're allowed to be uh, pro-Russia. Like I think people should be pro-Russian citizens. These people didn't do anything wrong. They're not. They don't really get to vote. Like, like you said, you're allowed to, say. to support your country. Yeah, I love America. We bombed the fuck out of Syria. I don't support that. I still love my country. I still have American flag. Hundred percent. And I think it's one of like the turnout is one thing, but big turnout, little turnout. They're going to use it in – it depends on how you look at it. And if whoever is going to run with the narrative is going to use it in their advantage. That's true. but And it's also like little turnout. Okay, Rachel Maddow covered it. And she was the one who's belittling the size. And she it's called like, it random? Yeah. I don't think it's random at all. Yeah, how random is it you don't want people to die? Isn't that crazy? How random is it that you're fighting against a war or just right. war in general? Right. And that is also the point that I think is like hugely missed here because most of what I saw on Twitter is just – People being like, oh, like this turned into pro-Putin and, uh, you know, like you said, Russian flags waving around right, everywhere. Right. But that's not the point of the entire rally as no, a whole. they're literally purposely missing the point. Right, exactly. And that just really pisses me off because I know, you know, some people are going to look at that and they're just going to be like, oh, shit, like, you know, look at how many people are supporting Russia and Putin right. and everything instead of actually understanding Right. What's going on? And and so part of our transparency is me saying, yeah, I am anti-war. I agree with these people on this. And there's a lot of people there who there are plenty of things I don't I don't agree with them on. And there are people there who I agree with plenty on because it was such a diverse group of people. Like mm -hmm. Ron Paul is a libertarian. And they got Ron Paul never leaves Texas. Mm -hmm. He actually, <laughs> oh, really? no, he, like literally <laughs> so hard to get it's him. It's like, oh, there. shit, he's here. <laughs> yeah. So it was a big deal to them to get him there. Um, 
Ron Paul's a libertarian, and I'm not. I believe we need institutions. I, they should be less corrupt, but we need them. We need, you know, it's a good idea to have firefighters. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I think what's disheartened me is the willful ignorance of the message. And and uh, basically, what these people are asking, they want to, they want NATO essentially disbanded. Okay, well, I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't think we need that. I'm just, I'm just laying out their this claims. Is, okay, all right. Uh, and they want to return to essentially a multipolar system, meaning uh, they don't, you know, let Russia have its sphere of influence, let China have its sphere of influence, let America have its sphere of influence. And again, all these are conversations we should be able to have and say, well, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. But we can, we certainly cannot even have those conversations if you don't let someone start without saying you're a racist mm -hmm. you're, you're putin you're pro-putin mm -hmm. while they're explicitly saying no no no, we're not pro-putin like we don't well and, and you'll probably see it in some of the clips that you play mm -hmm. they specifically say that a lot a lot yeah, yeah, yeah saying yeah. like i don't like what happened in 2014 i don't like what's happening now right 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 but this isn't our fight right. to fight and that's kind of the point too is it's not hey we should let them do this it's hey we should square up our own shores before we start sending you know 500 million more to ukraine i mean we have a, a quite notable uh, event in east palestine where the people are right and i definitely agree with that part like i yeah. take care of your own before you take care of somebody else right but where i kind of like get conflicted just in i guess terms of like morality is just like people are in trouble and like i want to help those people well and, and also there is a valid argument to be made and many you know americans and and the security state have made it that if we let putin win this war and who knows what winning looks like to either side but if we let putin get away with this then it shows on the world stage that aggression is rewarded which is a fair and decent point if you're not a country like america who has been the aggressor in every sphere of the world for 80 plus years now right but they're good at hiding it because i think if you ask most people on the side of the street, they wouldn't think United States is an aggressor. Uh, and today, it's very with the internet. It's very difficult to hide things. So what you do is you obfuscate. You you just you. You ever seen that episode of The Office where Michael accidentally reveals that Pam is pregnant before he's supposed to? <laughs> oh yeah. And so yeah. he just starts telling everyone random rumors. Yeah like yeah. Jim to is, dilute the water and, kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what information warfare is today. You just you, you just you, throw so much shit out there that you can't figure out what's left and right, up and down. That's that's exactly it, and that's that's a big reason why I want to do this podcast and bring some things to light for people. But yeah, it it ain't easy. And I mean, I've had multiple conversations with people. One person DM me today. He was and immediately he was like, "Oh, they're pro Putin." Like <laughs> to us, that we're pro Putin. No, no, no. The people at the oh. I'm sure the people will oh, say okay. that about me for just <laughs> okay. being anti war. Um. <laughs> But it's, I mean, and also it's such a, uh, it, it's such a successful propaganda campaign. You know, it's successful when people believe there's only two options. When people believe you either support the war in Ukraine or you support Putin. No, no, no. I support Ukrainian citizens' right to live in a free world where they don't get bombed every day. Mm -hmm. I support Russian citizens' right to live in a world where they don't get bombed every day. I support Germans' citizens' rights to have the energy, the cheap oil that they negotiated a deal with Russia without America fucking blowing up their pipeline. Mm -hmm. Like this is America doesn't have the sovereignty of the whole world. As much as, you know, we have the biggest dick, we have the biggest guns, but like that doesn't give us a moral right to do the things we do. No, definitely not. And to call people who are trying to use their platform, use their voice to open people's eyes to that, 
racists, Nazis, conspiracy theories. Like, I mean, Rachel Maddow was like, oh, many of these people are uh, anti-vax conspiracy theorists and like... Uh, she was like, oh, they're into crypto. Like, what the fuck is wrong with being into crypto? It just makes you a bad person? Yeah, she's like, just I don't compartmentalizing one with the other. Exactly, so. Yeah, that's all I really wanted to say about that. We're going to, you know, we're going to cut in a few clips here and there. Those people who work in our nation's capital eagerly continue to escalate tensions, eagerly wage new cold wars, understanding that if there's a nuclear attack. Yes, they will be okay in their bunkers where they literally have plans to be able to continue to wage wars from their bunkers without any consideration for the rest of us and the destruction and incineration that their wars will cause. This was ultimately the thing that caused me to run for president in 2020 because I saw where our leaders were taking us. I saw the dangers of where this new Cold War and nuclear arms race would eventually lead. Whether intentional or accidental, there is only one destination for such wars, and that is a nuclear holocaust. I made it clear then that this is a central issue of our time, the most important issue facing us in the 21st century, and that there was a clear choice in that election. We're either going to work towards peace, de-escalate tensions, move away from this new Cold War, or we will continue to race rapidly towards nuclear brink, toward a new Cold War with Russia, a new Cold War with China, and therefore racing towards nuclear war. Now, for those of you who remember that election, this issue was not important to the media. They refused to talk about it. They refused to raise the question in the debates. There was no other candidate willing to talk about this issue. It was not important to them then, and it's not important to them now. Well, I do see more people kind of, um, I guess, waking up to corporate media a little bit. Support for the Ukraine war is down in, in America, well, depending on what poll. And I have a poll here. It's down from like 60% six months ago to 48 now. That and just like all this stuff in East Palestine, just because you'll see the way corporate media covers it. And then yeah. there's the actual people living it. It happened and 18 they're like, days this ago. Is bullshit you know this and that like they're not telling you what's actually happening right and right. i really hope and i do think that like that information is leaking out into you know the common american's brain it's a back and forth though because look people are waking up and then you know you have project veritas uh, you know unveiling sort of taking the that's crazy the that veil that's off just of things gone. and that, well yeah exactly and it's not gone that's the worst part is well, right if they just fucking nuked it mm -hmm. and wiped it off the map they'd make a martyr out of them. Mm -hmm. But no, instead they infiltrate it. And they're like, all right, we're going to get people in there who... From the inside out. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And dude, this is like classic information warfare. This is classic guerrilla warfare using information as the battleground. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's that's where war is headed. It's war is, it's, we've been there for 20, 30, 40, maybe 100 years. Right, but, but now it's just more evident, it seems like, than ever. Well, especially because... Weapons are so powerful today. They really, it's very hard to fight a war with weapons and not end it in a day. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I really think well, yeah, that's true. But um, I think something that's gonna start to come into warfare as it, uh, I guess progresses because I'm already seeing it a lot and it, it's really taken a big jump over the last what feels like two or three months is AI. I don't know how exactly they'll integrate it, but I mean, I heard a conversation between Joe Biden and Donald Trump talking about like 
weed, this and that, and all this other I shit. I can't get enough of those. I can't. I just yeah, it's hilarious. Donald Trump and Joe Biden playing Call of Duty together. It's so funny. it's hilarious. But yeah, I yeah. can guarantee you, like, if I found just the one, it sounds like Joe Biden just like giving a speech about like how weed's a lot better now or something like that. If I showed that to my mom, yeah, she'd one hundred percent buy it. Well, and and that's why I'm people are scared of AI, and there are certainly things to be afraid about with it, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, on mass, I think it's actually going to end up being a good thing because it's going to finally force people to take responsibility for their own education, their own critical thinking skills. Because mm-hmm. there's just going to be so much shit out there. You're going to have to be a person that goes, "Well, that looks real," but like, I have enough common sense to know Joe Biden's not going to be talking about like, "Oh, you slappy slappy gush gush 3000 <laughs> like, like that I've heard AI shit say. You know what I mean? So you think it's going to force people to actually think things through and say, hold on, wait a minute, let me make sure this is actually what is like what I'm perceiving it to be. I can't think anything but that because if I allow myself to go to the place where I think it's going to push us the other way and just make everyone even more of a yes man fucking drone robot, then I'm just going to blow my brains out. I think that's the way it's going to go. <laughs> and I don't, I, I don't see any evidence really going against that just in terms of like how much time we already spend on our phones. And yeah. I, well, I'm, I mean, I don't think we're the cat's not getting back in the bag in terms of phones. Like we're no. we're stuck with that. No, but like I think about Chat GPT and like how kids could use it to cheat on homework. Teachers are gonna have to shift their models to from memorization to all right. I'm gonna have to actually do my fucking job <laughs> and like make sure these kids are Aren't prepared cheating for and stuff like that. Yeah, and devote devolve or um, that's true. They develop will have- lesson plans that. Uh, hone critical thinking skills rather than just the teachers themselves are going to have to critically think and they're going to be like can johnny actually write this exactly (laughs) and and actually the you know the lesson plans are going to have to be more targeted you're going to have to individually you know the thing that sucks about that is teachers don't get paid enough to do that well right and that is a problem because now you're asking them to do more which they already don't get paid enough to do what they do now so you know there's no incentive there valid valid but you know, hopefully, some of them that are passionate about their job and have rich husbands. Well, uh, those can, are the ones that keep us going. Wives, <laughs> rich. Oh, yeah, keep I'm, them uh, financially stable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, there's still good people out there, you know. Oh, of course, of course. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't think it's worth it to get up every day if I didn't believe that. Um, but the world is changing very, very, very fast. Yes, it is. And we are going to have to do something. The quickening. So I'm doing what I can here now. Yeah, um, I think you're doing the world a service. I hope we're doing the world a service here. I, I also appreciate everyone who reaches out, who gives us feedback, suggestions, topics they want to see covered. I hope people continue to do that. Um, and we're going to keep getting better. Yeah, we're um, going to keep getting better. Let us know like where you'd like to see us go or like not go physically, but like our page go, what you want to see girl, us do in go. the future, you know, and like you said, stories that uh, you want to see us cover. Yep. All right, so then let's let's move on here again to uh, trains, planes, and automobiles. East Palestine, where today's the twenty first. It's been eighteen days since the disaster. Just to recap, a northern suff, yeah, Norfolk Southern um, cargo train carrying it was a hundred fifty car train. I think about twenty of the cars were carrying vinyl chloride and another amalgam of toxic chemicals. Derailed due to a mechanical axle system failure in East Palestine, Ohio, spilling, you know, hundreds of hundreds of pounds of this vinyl chloride and other mm-hmm. chemicals. Um, the local government, the federal government, 
and uh, the EPA and other agencies decided the best course of action would be to let the liquid version of this chemical out into drainage ditches where they would burn it mm -hmm. and release it into the air. And just in doing a little bit of the research, it actually dissipates pretty quickly in the air. So the air quality, and the EPA has been monitoring the air quality. And that's okay. Is not really the big problem. Okay. Uh, it's the groundwater and the soil that it's going to get into, especially because Ohio is a huge uh, produce center okay. of the U.S. There's a lot of our food comes from there. Mm -hmm. um, but today, the 21st, the EPA held a press conference and EPA's administrator, I'm blanking on his name right now, but him and governors of Ohio, Mike DeWine and Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, I think his name is, uh, held a joint press conference. And basically, uh, the takeaway was East, um, not East Palestine, uh, Norfolk Southern is going to be responsible for all these costs. And I remember when we first covered this two weeks ago, three weeks ago, <laughs> Norfolk Southern offered the town of East Palestine $25,000. <laughs> oh, period. Yeah. Uh, since then, they've set up like two separate million dollar cleanup funds and they've given the town like $3.5 million to distribute to the residents. They're, um, they're going to end up paying a lot more than that because the EPA uh, said that they're going to have to clean up all the contamination in the soil or water. They'll be responsible for the safe transport of those chemicals out. Um, they're going to have to reimburse the EPA for a separate fail-safe backup round of cleanup that the EPA is doing in addition to whatever Norfolk Southern is tasked with. And then the director of the EPA also said, you know, if they fail to do so, they're going to incur three times the cost. Like, we're going to find them triple what we what they would have had to pay. Okay, so there's incentive there for them to actually do something about it. Right, and I thought Mike DeWine had a really interesting uh, uh, statement. He said, Norfolk Southern wasn't going to do this out of the goodness of their hearts. There's not a lot of goodness there. <laughs> Hell of a line. Um, but what I wanted to talk about is the fact that the EPA has told people it's safe to go back home, that the drinking water is safe, mm -hmm. uh, based on a... Uh, Norfolk Southern test. Right. Norfolk that's... Southern did their own testing. Now, uh, the EPA administrator today said that the county also tested that sample, and there was a backup local public water system test as well, and everything's all clear. I personally find that extremely hard to believe, and we're still seeing the uh, animals dying. Um, they had to open a clinic. Well, the big thing is the frogs, apparently, because frogs breathe through their skin. Right. So when they start dying, it's a good indication of things aren't right. Right. And a lot of frogs are dead. Um, but the East Palestine makeshift clinic, and this is from the Rolling Stone, booked solid as resident symptoms persist. Officials assure residents the test prove it's safe, but locals complain of everything from headaches, respiratory problems, and rashes to pain in their teeth. Not good. I mean, Jesus. What was the number you said that they just have multiple million-dollar funds that are allocated to, I guess, different uh I guess things related to this. Correct. But whatever number that is, I don't think is even going to come close to covering what it is going to end up costing them because this is going to be something they're going to get sued for like health problems like 20 years down the line. As they should. Yeah, and they definitely should. I, I don't know. I feel so bad for all those people. Like, you know, a lot of people that are just stuck there just because of, you know, whatever I mean, situation yeah, they, they, they may were, be in. When this first happened, they were uh, told that they had to leave or else they'd get arrested arrested yeah because it was a hazard i mean and that's the thing is like where the fuck are these people supposed mm, to go yeah and what you're gonna i'd be like come arrest me and i can you know fucking stay somewhere yeah else. do you have clean water at the jail because that sounds awesome yeah um 
And and transportation secretary Pete Buttigieg has been doing the rounds and interviews. I mean, all this stuff, all this response has been so late. Like the coverage, the past week finally, like Reuters and other like somewhat large outlets are covering. It. I mean, we covered this like two days after it happened, mm -hmm. and it was at least five more days before I saw anybody major cover it. Which is I crazy. didn't hear. I still haven't heard Biden say anything about it, and that that may be just because I haven't. The thing that caught my eye with it was when somebody labeled it as like a little Chernobyl. And yes. I was like, okay, like that's definitely not something I'll fuck around with. And then that's when I started to kind of go into it a little bit. Um, oh, here but, we go. Biden yeah. said something today, finally. Oh, good for him. They should clean it up. Thank you, Joe Biden. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? It's really interesting, too, that now that this one has happened, you see you know, little news stations and stuff covering derailments and other... Uh, little disasters everywhere. And I actually looked into that. Uh, overall, train derailments are down year to year from last year, but there was still like a thousand last year, and a lot of them are because some of these trains uh, are still using brakes. The regulations on their brakes are the same regulations we had in the Civil War. Oh, that's not good. So they haven't updated the legislation. And Pete Buttigieg today was like, we're getting close to the uh, from the investigative portion of the response to the legislative portion of the response, which is a good thing, but um, you know he he hasn't visited, and I think I forget the guy's name on MSNBC. Uh, Ali, I don't know his name. Sorry, I'll put it in the little blurb will come up. Yeah, yeah. If you're watching a video, but the MSNBC host was like, uh, "Are you planning on going there?" Like, and he's like, "Well, we have to let the this independent federal agency, the National Transportation Safety Board, conduct their investigation, and then we can move to the legislation portion of the response." I want to keep covering this and see where this legislation goes because I'm very interested in this. Um, like for example, Mike DeWine, Ohio's governor, was like, "The according to the legislation, uh, because of the designation that these train cars had that were carrying the toxic chemicals, was not like as high of a level as it should be, like reasonably. But okay. according to the law, they didn't have to notify Ohio about or any government about anything." Okay. The only reason I think people found out about it is because of a giant fucking black smoke cloud. Well, yeah, the the flames jetting 30 feet into the air probably didn't help. Just thought you were asking me a question about the funds before. Um, the railroad has designated one of its local employees who lives in the town as a liaison between East Palestine and Norfolk Southern. That person will oversee a $1 million budget to help the community, in addition to a $1 million fund the railroad created to help residents, and the $3.4 million in payments it has already handed out to families. But like you're saying... Those payments are likely just to start as EPA has said Norfolk Southern will be responsible for the cleanup costs, and several lawsuits have already been filed against the railroad. That's crazy. I mean, it's really an awful situation, and I am really interested in it just because, like, it's – it's. Cr I guess the thing that kind of is a little bit crazy to me is how, like, high and dry we leave our own people sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, and, like that are so clearly in distress and how easy it is for them to just – brush it under the rug because like you said you didn't really see it in mainstream coverage until almost a week later mm -hmm. i mean it's awful and I, I hope it sticks around too i hope it's not something that's just like we're gonna forget about in like a week and uh so Buttigieg criticized railroads for lobbying against the rule to change the brakes and challenge it in court um and Buttigieg wants congress to untie their hands on the braking rule which regulators might look at um Oh, I didn't even realize in 2015 there were several fiery crude oil train derailments 
the worst of which killed 47 people and decimated the Canadian town of Las Magantic. See, I think it's something that happens more often than people think. I think it's just, since it happened in East Palestine, the coverage of these things is just kind of picking up a little bit. First of all, uh, the current uh, there's a limit on how much railroad safety fines can cost, which there shouldn't be a limit at all. But a limit on how much they can get fined. Yep. Oh wow. Two hundred twenty-five thousand four hundred fifty-five dollars. Well, that's awful. Yeah. So about the cost of uh, a BA and a master's, <laughs> and you can blow up any fucking town you want. Jesus Christ. Um, hold on. There's something here I wanted to get to because... And this is a great article from WPXI, which is a local news station. What a surprise. The only good coverage is from local news. Um, gonna cut this dead air. Gonna cut this dead air. It comes from the people that are, you know, that aren't afraid of getting fired for saying the wrong thing. They'll probably be bought by a conglomerate tomorrow and fired. <laughs> um, sorry, we're this is this is gonna be cut. We're gonna cut the dead noise, people. Um, so there is a there's a plan to accelerate. Uh, r- right now the tank cars that haul flammable liquids like crude oil and ethanol have a 2029 standard that Congress approved but they don't have to do it for six years. And Buttigieg is urging them to make those changes by 2025. He's just asking them to make the change? Yes. That should go well. I know, right? Um, That was like when Biden was like, I hope the gas companies find it in their heart to slash gas prices during this holiday season. That definitely worked. (laughs) Um, I'm just trying to find this this one thing. Oh, here it is. Um, so actually during the Trump administration, Congress dropped a, uh, law that would have required upgraded electronically controlled brakes on certain trains filled with flammable liquids that are designated high hazardous flammable trains. The rule was dropped after Congress directed regulators to use a cost benefit analysis to evaluate the rule. And they decided the potential benefits couldn't justify the cost. So, and listen, we live in a a capitalist centric mixed economy like i understand people have costs but there are certain things that we shouldn't just do on a strictly doesn't make money basis like carry flammable and highly toxic chemicals into our nation's bread basket yeah i mean it it shouldn't come when it's something like that where it's like a no-brainer and it's like hey we got this huge bat of like really highly toxic chemicals sliding across this rail maybe we should make sure it stops and goes properly eh. Let's make sure that spending money on that is worth it before we do that. Like you said, I'm I'm sure there's plenty of things to uh, use that kind of strategy for, but sometimes you just gotta you know spend the extra nickel. That's it, bro. Um, yeah, the the mayor of East Palestine is pissed. No, he's so pissed because he had some Biden's words in for Ukraine. Biden, yeah, and not East Palestine. Which I I totally get that. Yeah, I mean, imagine I I really I would have loved to go there. Can't really like no one can go now to East Palestine. Yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to go there. I would have liked to get some interviews. I would have like a green arm in like fifteen years or something. Dude, we rail so much C four. <laughs> That's true. Our, our bodies probably impervious anyway. to poison. I'm putting way too many things in my body. 
All right, so that's it for the depressing stuff. I had one thing that I wanted to just very briefly cover. Did you see this? Did you see what Chris Cuomo said in an interview? Oh, my God. <laughs> what did he say? Where is it? Uh, Chris Cuomo famously um, let go from CNN after consulting his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> on his sexual assault allegations while covering them for the news. A <laughs> little bit of a conflict of interest there. Um, I don't really necessarily have any love for Chris Cuomo, but I like a, I like an underdog. I like a guy who got fired and is now like, hey. Kind of roars his way back. He's on News Nation now, which is the uh, it's pretty small, but they're the outlet that the reporter who got arrested for trying to cover the East Palestine press conference he uh he works for news nation they were the same ones that actually covered i'm pretty sure um remember when george santos had that interview talking about uh how he never said he worked for goldman sachs and yeah he, yeah i'm pretty sure they covered that too yeah okay so chris Cuomo was on anthony scaramucci's podcast fucking italians forever baby <laughs> <laughs> he said after cnn fired him in 2021 i was going to kill everybody including myself <laughs> are you fucking kidding me like come on isn't that awesome <laughs> i don't know it's funny that or you're just going italians baby yeah <laughs> I just love that he said that. That's hilarious. I was like, going to kill everybody and myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I got in trouble for making too many jokes about killing myself in a, a, an organization I belong to. And I was like, <laughs> they're my suicidal ideations. I should be able to have them. I should be able to say whatever the fuck I want. So that just makes me laugh. <laughs> so that's a little uh, high note for people to go out on. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like that a lot. Anything else? Anything you, you saw this week that you thought was notable? You, oh, you said something earlier. Oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Oh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting how she's just trying to, like, incite civil war. Well, she's calling for a national divorce. <laughs> Not quite the same. I don't want to get sued. I know. Um, but, yeah, that's it's an interesting idea. We were talking about it before. I think if it wasn't said by her, it might get some traction now that she said it. It's well, yeah, you put it in different. Be crazy. You put it in different wording. It, it was just yeah. like, oh, like dissolving the federal government and being more like the the EU wouldn't be well, so bad. Well, I've always said this to people that America. Sh we used to have this idea called federalism before the Great Depression and before FDR kind of had to had to consolidate the federal government to really keep us alive as a country. Mm -hmm. uh, the principles of federalism really ran strong, and like Texas is a good example of federalism, where Texas considers itself a republic, and there's a lot of things you can only do in Texas, like. Mm -hmm. Uh, once upon a time, a state's rights came first. Now, and like the abortion debate is a perfect example of like the federal Mississippi wants to not let abortions, but someone living living in California is like, no, the women in Mississippi have to get abortions because they live in America. I, I I'm I'm I am pro choice, mm -hmm. and I also agree that people should be able to dictate the laws of the place that they live in. So if you live in Mississippi and you want an abortion fight for it absolutely you should you should be entitled to it but if more people live in mississippi that don't want abortions then that's what it is you know that's what democracy is supposed to be i, I do agree with that and now there's a line you can't say uh hey three-fourths of alabama want lynching to be legal again no like there's human rights and that's where the abortion argument comes in is people go okay abortion is healthcare, and healthcare is a human right it's a very very you know it's uh, a loaded argument great uh nuanced argument but the idea of federalism is that states have to be able to dictate their own destinies okay and i have always argued that america is 
more like the EU than it is any one country because people living in California are so different from people living in Vermont, from people living in Florida, from people living in Ohio. No, that's true. There are, I mean, there really aren't a ton of shared values. The one thing that unites America as Americans is culture. That we all watch the same things on HBO and listen to similar music. Super Bowl, baby. Eat the same garbage McDonald's food. Like that's what unites us more than anything. Not the fucking borders in which we live. Yeah. No, that's true. I don't think it can ever happen just because the federal government does have so much power. Right. We were saying how much of a stronghold they kinda of have over right. everything right yeah. now. I mean I, I couldn't even uh I don't even know how that begins. I would I would I would one hundred percent be behind a peaceful national divorce. But I don't see that being the way it happens. So I'm definitely pro American. Even staying if it together. starts peaceful. Yeah. So that's it. I just advocate for civil war. Anything else? <laughs> Let's see it. Let's do it. Why not? Yeah. Now that's it. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Please make sure to comment if you're seeing this on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify, please rate us five stars. Same on Apple Podcasts. And please, if you enjoy this, share it with one friend. Text it to them. Anyone you know that watches the news, say, hey, I have a great podcast that I listen to every week. Mm-hmm. Send it to them. If you have a person who's like misguided and, you know, believes that the Ukraine war, you know, we need to be doing it to liberate those people and that war is a great thing, send this to them and get them angry. And <laughs> Because people who hate comment, it's still engagement. Yeah, hate comment. I mean, discourse, just because it's angry. I don't know. Sometimes discourse doesn't have to be like so bad. Like you can disagree and just we have a conversation are, We are a pro-discourse podcast. Yes, 100%. Like yeah. please disagree with us and just tell us what you think and why you think I, we're stupid or I'm wrong. wrong all the time and I'm open to other perspectives. So if you, if you think I'm wrong on anything here, please let me know. Yeah. All right. Love you guys.